I'm on? Okay. They gave me a uh, quick tutorial on this contraption, and uh, I recommended the handheld mic for myself, just knowing myself, but I went with it anyway. But what we did establish in uh, putting this contraption on me was the fact that I have smaller ears than Frank. (laughs) So I'm not exactly sure... uh, not exactly sure what that means, but I know he's not here to defend himself, so I might as well get him while I can. Uh, as you can tell by looking at the bulletin, um, it's pretty much all about me. So, uh, and those other three people getting baptized, but um, Jeff, I know, uh, I thought Jeff was going to come up and introduce me, but if you saw how he was dressed right now, he did you all a favor by staying right where he is. <laughs> And my family didn't think I was going to start with a joke, right? (laughs) So, um, some of you uh, I know by name, some of you I know by face, some of you I don't know at all. Um, What I'm going to do today is something that I probably told myself a million times I would never do, uh, which is get up here and um, speak to you about my faith, speak to you about what's going on in my life and in the lives of a lot of people um, around us, and... My goal today is, if you're not a believer, my goal today is that uh, I give you something to think about uh, in terms of where your faith is and what it means to be a follower of Jesus. My goal is not to stand up here and to um, talk at you. Um, My goal is to encourage you and just share with everybody um, my journey and how I got to where I am. Um, where I still would like to go, um, and it's, it's been life-changing for me, um, and I'll get to it in a little while, um, but I'll introduce myself. My name is Greg Johns. Uh, I've been coming to BCC for around six years uh, with my family, and um, I have a couple of pictures, so could you just put up, I don't know what order they're in, just to kind of give you a little snapshot of my life. Um, can you go to one of the other ones? <laughs> <laughs> so that's the first day of school picture. Um, that's a picture of how we really felt a few weeks ago. Um, obviously, that's me. Uh, Andrew is my son in the middle, and Austin is all the way to your left. Andrew is a um, high school freshman this year, and Austin uh, is in sixth grade. Another photo. That's how my wife made us look. Um, <laughs> You can see Austin is still very indifferent to the fact that his summer ended. Um, Next photo. That's my wife uh, and myself. Uh, As you can tell, um, like many of us men, if we're smart, we'll admit to the fact that we married way out of our league. Um, To say that I'm blessed is an understatement. Uh, And the next photo. Those are my guys, and that's what I do. Um, All the way to the left at the bottom, number two, that's Andrew. He's my only freshman uh, on my varsity soccer team, and um, sports used to just be about winning to me, um, and it's no longer like that. So those are my guys. That that picture was taken... uh, after a great win that we had uh, about a week ago, and uh, about the last thing they felt like doing was taking a picture, 
Um, but we won, so it made it a little bit easier. But those, those 15 guys are um, a huge part of, of uh, what I do. Personally, I am a husband, I'm a father, and I'm a son. Professionally, I'm a teacher. I'm an athletic director. And a lot of times when I say that, people are like, ooh. Basically, at a school like Middleburg Central School, um, being an athletic director means um, you do a lot for a little. It's a lot more headaches and a little more money. But um, I don't do it for that. Uh, And I'm also a coach. I have um, coached varsity sports for the better part of 20 years. I've coached varsity basketball. And I have coached, I continue to coach varsity soccer. And that is my... That is my professional existence. I'm a born-again Christian, and it wasn't until very recently that I realized uh, the true meaning of being on God's team or Team Jesus. Um, Obviously, as a sports person, I think sports is one of those things that a lot of people can really relate to. Um, I think it identifies a lot of people um, in terms of just, you know, watching athletes um, and remembering when we used to be athletes and what our bodies used to be able to do, or looking at athletes, uh, looking at athletes and just um, be, being in awe uh, of their abilities. So, um, as I speak to you today, I'm going to use a lot of sports um, correlations, sports analogies, because that's just something that's something that I know. It's all I've ever done in my professional life. Um, I graduated college uh, in 1996. I had one job interview, and I was hired. Um, I stayed at that district for nine years. Um, I lived in Middleburg, and my commute was a little much. Um, As God would have it, a gentleman in Middleburg retired. I had another interview, and I got hired, um, and I'm in my 12th year there. So I have over 20 years um, in public education, not private education, but I work in a public school, um, which I think is part of why um, I really feel like I need to share my testimony with you all today. Um, I played sports at the high school level. I played um, college-level soccer uh, in the early 90s. Uh, And as I said, I've been a PE teacher and a coach um, for over 20 years now. So the last thing that I want to do is stand up here and give the impression that I have all the answers. Um, That is far from the case. Um, But this is my story. I got saved on August 23rd, 1999. And at that point, all I really knew was that I earned my get-out-of-hell-free card. I had no idea what was next, so I basically decided that I had to just be a better person, a better example, and just be different from everyone else that didn't believe what I did. For all practical purposes, I was on Team Jesus, but I was just a bench warmer. In fact, I wouldn't even consider myself to have been a halfway decent cheerleader. Basically, I would go to church Sunday live a respectable life, and when I got to BCC, I would sit in the chair and I would cheer on Frank every day. If you know sports correlations, as you sit there and you cheer somebody on, and then come Monday morning, nothing was different, right? We all get to that point. We talk on the ride home. Wow, what a great message, boy, Frank. He nailed it. Jeff, he nailed it. Boy, those guys got game. Monday morning, nothing was different, right? That's the case for a lot of us. In sports, we have what are called role players. 
the guy in the basketball court that sets the screen, grabs a rebound, the guy in the soccer field that you ask to man-mark a player, the person that doesn't get their name in the paper, that was me. I was just a role player. I'd grab some rebounds, set some screens, occasionally take a charge, which on the basketball court means you let the other guy run you over willingly. (laughs) But all in all, my role was simply that of a good bench warmer. My role was safe. I didn't take chances. I didn't put myself out there. I was happy to be on the team, and I looked good in my Sunday morning locker room chalk talk uniform. But I wasn't a real player. I needed to become a real player in my life away from BCC. I was a teacher in a public school. I still am. I use that as an excuse. I can't talk about God to these kids. I'm going to lose my job. I can't read my Bible at my desk. What are they going to think of me? I coach young men, almost all of which have little to no spiritual background. If I, des- if I decided to become a real player and listen to my coach, I would have to be intentional about my faith and serious about my impact on the people's lives that I could have if I was bold about my faith. I would sit here every Sunday and cheer on Frank. You go, big fella. You tell him. Those other guys, they'll go out there and do it. I look at a guy like Ethan. When Ethan gave his testimony about our second time here coming to BCC, that was a game changer for me. See, we came from a church that was very traditional. Um, It was very, I think, very traditional. And we came in here on a Sunday, and this guy gets up there with great hair. (laughs) I know, I know. Sleeve tattoos, a John Deere t-shirt, and a pair of jeans, and he just lit this place on fire. And at that point, my wife and I looked at each other and was like, there's something about that place. There's just something about that place. But I figured he would t- Frank would talk to Ethan because Ethan would go out to his workplace and he would be a bold witness. A guy like Steve Rebay, Joe, Bob LaCosta, Tall Derek. I don't know if Derek's here, but when you gave your testimony at the men's breakfast, that was a game changer for me too, Derek. Tony Towns, listening to him sing. Just, just um, lots of different things just took place that, that, that drew us here, that started slowly, slowly changing um, my outlook. My son will chuckle, and one of my former players is also here. Um, But anyone that knows me knows that I'm an extremely passionate coach. I'm emotional, I'm excitable, and I'm all in. My expectations as a coach for my players are high. They're expected to be on time, be respectful in the school building, get good grades, and compete but play like gentlemen. All of this this passion for coaching was not transforming into my Christian walk. Eventually, my role on Team Jesus wasn't satisfying enough. You see, we're all on the same team. Frank is our coach. Any of us that were athletes, I sit here on a Sunday and I listen to Frank, and it's like that locker room speech, you know, that makes you feel like you could run out of the locker room and forget to open the door and you'd still be okay. (laughs) Maybe that's just me. I don't know. I don't recommend trying it, but. Frank is our coach, and this is our practice facility. This is our locker room. This is our chalk talk. What we do on the field matters. We have to choose for it to matter to us. 
We have to choose to make it personal. We have to choose to be intentional. We have to choose to ask ourselves the question, what is my purpose? That's a big one. You ask a teenage kid what their purpose is in life, it's crazy some of the answers that you'll get. So what's your purpose? If you're a believer, all of our purposes are the same. It's to reach people for him. Tim Tebow, right? A lot of people, when they hear Tim Tebow, they like roll their eyes because they think he's fake. They think there's no way that that guy can actually, they just waited for him to screw up, right? When he was in the limelight and he was quarterback in uh, Florida to a national title and he won that playoff game with the Broncos, people are just waiting for him to screw up. They're waiting for something to come up in the newspaper that Tim Tebow did this or Tim Tebow did that. The guy's unflappable. The guy just lives his faith. The guy just, he is who he is. He is who he says he is. But if you don't know who he is, he was a Heisman Trophy winning quarterback at the University of Florida. He played professional football with the Jets, America's team, the Philadelphia Eagles, and the Denver Broncos. He's currently playing AAA baseball within the New York Mets organization. Tim Tebow is also a Christian, and he has been very outspoken about his faith for a long time and has used his platform as an elite athlete in order to enrich people's faith and to give people hope. So listen to what Tim Tebow has to say about purpose. I've always wanted to say this. Skip, can you please play the video? Walk down a red carpet, you know, that's, that can be life-changing for people. And so to be able to be part of that and see that and now be able to take that mindset to a field because so much of handling sports is handling pressure. Well, what pressure do you have if you're 0 for 12 and you're at the plate versus someone that is fighting for their life versus someone that, you know, we picked up on the side of the street in Haiti because they're crippled or they're not wanted or they're thrown into the garbage? Like, how do you compare those things? And for me, it's, it's, there's, there's not a comparison, and that's why you're able to handle sports as a game because it still is. Yeah, we can pursue it. We can give so much of our time, energy, and effort to it, but at the end of the day, I know that's not why I'm here. It's not my biggest purpose. It's not my biggest calling. It's not, when I be, it's not how I want to be known in my life. It's not as a football player, as a baseball player, as you know, someone that you know, worked hard to accomplish those things. I want my life to be so much more than that. I want to be someone that was known for bringing faith, hope, and love to those needing a brighter day in their darkest hour of need. And that is something that is a life calling for me, and so it's so much bigger than sports. But I am so grateful for sports because it's given me a platform to be able to share and love and care for people all over the world. So I wouldn't trade that for anything. I mean, to be able to do that off the cuff, that's pretty cool. I mean, those reporters must have just been sitting there like, okay, why did I ask that question? (laughs) As a coach... Um, I am made to want to impact others. I love to win. I love it. I see that picture and I look at those kids and I look at what we did in that game to win that game. We scored with seven minutes left in the game and we have a slogan this year on our team which is grind it out which um, I do have to give a shout out to uh, my wingman uh, Nate because um, Nate um, and his family attend church here and, and Nate's a believer and Nate and I are, Nate's my JV coach, um, and I'm the varsity coach. Um, so we have 27 young men underneath us. And um, to be able to um, be men of God in, in these kids' lives um, and to be able to work with Nate um, is an honor. 
my wife obviously is also um, a born-again Christian, and she was our girls' varsity coach for 11 years. She stepped down this year to, uh, to be able to watch Andrew play. Um, so I, I say all that to say we're in the people's lives at our workplaces for a reason, and it's not to just hide and it's not to be scared of who we're going to offend. Granted, there's a right way and a wrong way to say things and do things and to go about our business, but that's why we're there. As I said, I've coached both soccer and basketball at the varsity levels. The teams that I have coached um, have won over 200 games. But what does that matter if I'm not trying to impact others for Jesus, like what Tim Tebow just said? I mean, yeah, it matters because we like to win, um, but in the big scheme of things, as I look at, as I look at my, my players, Frank says we're in the people business. Most of, these kids, most of these kids don't have a solid foundation, don't have a solid family. I got 15 guys on my varsity team. Four kids have mom and dad at home living under the same roof. Four out of 15, and one of them is my own kid. So don't think for two seconds that some people in your lives don't need you, don't need that positive impact that you can bring because you believe. I wanted to get off the bench and get in the game. My family watched the movie Woodlawn. If you have never seen that movie, please make it a point to take it in. Basically, one person shared Jesus in a high school, and it changed everything. I say to my team, sometimes at a very loud volume while they're playing, if, they're, if, they're, if they look like they're in a funk and it looks like they're lethargic just for a second, I yell to them, it takes one guy. It takes one guy to get the team going. It takes one guy to do something about what's happening. And that's what Woodlawn was about. So we watched the movie and my wife and I just looked at each other and said, what if? What if it happened there? And it's a true story. You know, it was a feel-good story, but it's true. And the guy from Rudy is the, uh, is the star. So, I mean, heck, if he could play for Notre Dame, he could lead people to Jesus, right? If you never saw Rudy, then that just whew, went right over your head. You need to see Rudy, too, but you need to see Woodlawn first. So we decided to start praying for God to move in and around us. And I'll tell you, when you do that, that's a daunting task because you've got to be careful what you wish for sometimes. I sat here a month or so ago, and sometimes when people say, you know, I felt led to do something, I'm kind of like, yeah, but did you? I don't really know what that feels like. Um, but I really felt led to get up here and to share with you guys. So Jeff being the great encourager that he is. Um, I met with Pastor Frank and, and Jeff um, to have lunch and discuss kind of, you know, he basically gave me my, you know, you're only allowed to talk for this long or we're giving you the hook speech. <laughs> so Jeff said, well, you know, just be ready, you know, because in the next month you're probably going to be under attack. And I'm like, well, that's great, Jeff. It's awesome. You know, so, but anyway, I'm here. So we decided to start, start praying for God to move in and around us especially within our school. Shortly thereafter, this goes back last fall, almost exactly a year ago, one of my wife's soccer player's dads was on the way to an away game on his motorcycle, and he was in a bad accident. 
the car literally ended up on top of him. My wife's player wasn't aware during the game what had happened. Um, But after the game, she found out. I had a home game that night, so I didn't know what was going on until after my game was over and my wife had texted me. After that game, when the girls found out that this girl's father was in this accident, they got on the bus to, to head back home, not knowing his condition, not knowing how bad it was. Turned out it was pretty bad. So one of the girls stood up on the bus and said, I don't really know how to pray, but I think we need to. And I think at this point, all the kids knew, was, at this point, all the kids knew that one of their teammates' dads was in pretty bad shape. Thankfully, his life was spared, and we had a reason to publicly thank God. The girls prayed on the bus that day, whether or not they knew what it meant, whether or not they believed, but they prayed. They knew that they had to do something. They knew something was out of their control. In a small town like ours, we only have about 750 kids in uh, kindergarten through 12th grade in our district. So when you talk about small towns, that's pretty darn small. In a small town like ours, everyone is very close, and most people are related to each other somehow. That's why you've got to be really careful about what you say about somebody. <laughs> that You can have that one for free. We decided that night that we would pray with our teams the next day at practice. We wanted to publicly give credit to our God for sparing the life of this girl's father. We decided that at 4 p.m., we would call our teams to the center of each field. Our two fields are side by side, right next to each other. We decided we would call our teams to the center of each field at 4 o'clock and pray. We gave the kids the option to leave if they were uncomfortable, but they all stayed. It was one of the coolest sights I've ever seen in my life. It was a beautiful, bright, sunny, warm fall day. And in the middle of each field stood about 40 teenagers and two coaches. And we prayed together. As I said, no kids left when they were given the option. I was going to bring my stopwatch up here because Jeff gave me the, you know, you better be quick type thing. And as uh, my former player, as my former player, Justin, who's here today, I had the stopwatch when we were leaving my house today. He's like, you're going to use a prop? I'm like, ugh. So the stopwatch is in the car. Um, but usually, as a coach, the stopwatch, usually for players, it's not a good thing when the stopwatch comes out. So I told the guys, I'm like, you got 10 seconds to turn around and walk away, and I'm going to start praying. None of them left. I was assuming that the next day I would get to, get to school and I would check my mailbox and there would be a big fat pink slip in it. My superintendent's son was on my team. He graduated last year. He's been to church here and so has she. No pink slip, but even if there was, there was something in my heart that said it was okay. We see what we want to see. God was showing me soft spots. I just wasn't sure what it all looked like. I had no idea what it looked like Monday morning. Fast forward to last spring. Andrew was finishing his eighth grade year. He's now on the verge of high school. And as you all well know, that if you have children in high school, either at the public or the private school level, um, 
it can get pretty messy. Um, there's a lot of nonsense out there that these kids can get involved with, and it's right at their fingertips. Um, those of us that are up in years, we didn't have to deal with that stuff. If somebody back in the day, if somebody was going to say something about you, they either said it to your face or they stuck a note in your locker, but not anymore. There's a lot of, lot of stuff that goes on in these kids' lives. And if we turn and we act like it can't be our kids that are involved in it or that it's not in our kids' faces, we've got another thing coming. So Andrew was on the verge of going to high school. Without getting too specific, there were some very immoral behaviors going on within the school, but especially within the eighth grade. Eighth grade? I'm like, man, you've got to be kidding me. It's scary to think that way, but these kids are almost in high school and they have no moral compass whatsoever for the most part. Most of their parents are scared. They want to be their friends. I mean, forget the teachers getting involved. We don't want to be involved in that. That doesn't concern me. I got regents to think about. Well, I mean, I'm a phys ed teacher. I don't have regents to think about, but all the other teachers have that stuff to think about. So I had four senior boy uh, athletes and I decided that I was going to talk to four of them about what was going on. And Justin and Luke, Luke isn't here today, he's attending Albany, uh, but Justin's here. I think it was the day that I met with those boys. We had a intense game of badminton going on in the gym. It wasn't really that intense, but we were playing badminton. That's one of the games that I actually still play with the kids because I'm not afraid to get hurt. (laughs) So Justin and Luke started talking to me right in the middle of the gym about what's going on and about God and where's God at during all this. And I'm like, man, you know, you talk about you be careful what you wish for when you pray for something. So I decided to talk to four of my senior athletes and we talked, and by the end of the conversation, we decided that we need to, needed to start a guys group. So I just asked one thing of those four seniors. I said, each one of you bring one underclassman to our first meeting. And I promised them food. So that gets them there. So you can have that one for free too. So the four seniors would bring four underclassmen, and we had eight at our first meeting. I wanted to get into these kids' lives and ask tough questions and see what they had for answers. The truth is, we talked about a lot of things. But by the end of it, we had as many as 14 teenage boys attending weekly meetings. Two of those boys became believers. Um, I had the pleasure of leading Justin to the Lord and and, um, Luke through Mandy and the awesome testimony that she is. Um, Luke was saved as well. We talked about relationships. That's a big one. Strongholds. Family. But it all eventually came back to faith and what do you believe. Faith always seemed to come up and that was my opportunity. People are searching for something real. You know, people get to the point where I don't believe in anything or my life's a mess. How can there be a God? Look what I'm going through. And I get that. I get how people could think that. But that's where we have to come in. We all all have a story, right? We all have a story about where we were. Not all of us were saved when we were six years old. 
I was 25. I was a college athlete. I lived a life in college that was a typical college life. But it's not until that it wasn't until I decided to be, be intentional about what I was doing that things really started to change. So at the end of it, I still have my job. Um, I still have a great relationship with my players. Um, we have um, Bible studies with adults. We found another teacher in the district that's also a believer. And it's all about stepping out in faith. After one of my meetings, it was really kind of a, it was a pretty intense meeting. I even had Ethan come up one night and meet, meet some of the guys and share his testimony with them. And that's about as real as it gets right there. Because all of us have been there at different levels, but that was a game changer. So I got to school the next day, and as an AD, I get a lot of phone calls, a lot of complaints. Um, nobody really calls and leaves me voicemails telling me how great of a job I do. But some, people always have something to complain about. So I got a phone call from one of, my, one of the guys from our group. Um, got a phone call from his mom. Left me a voicemail. She said, I just need to talk to you about your meetings you're having with your boys. I'm like, oh, baby, here we go. So I called her back, and she called to thank me. She wanted to thank me for trying to instill in her son what she's been trying to instill in him because his father is an atheist, claims to be an atheist, and they're no longer together. And I was like, whew, that was close. But, you know, that's the bottom line, is trying to reach people. You know, my life is, is kids. It's what I do. But it's about people. Proverbs 28.1 speaks about boldness. The wicked flee when no one else is pursuing them, but the righteous are as bold as a lion. 2 Corinthians 3.11 and 12. So if the old way, which has been replaced, was glorious, how much more glorious is the new, which remains forever? Since the new way gives us such confidence, we can be very bold. Because of Christ and our faith in him, we can now come boldly and confidently into God's presence. I say all this to say it won't take much, only everything you've got. That's another thing I say to my players. If we don't invest anything, we can't expect anything in return. We can't expect to attend one practice a week and get a lot in return. Sunday morning is our practice, and Frank is our coach. We need to get off the bench and decide to be real players for Team Jesus. After all he sacrificed for us, it's the least we can do. If you have not put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, what are you waiting for? What do you have to lose? You can make that decision today, right here, right now, right where you're sitting or after the service, after the baptisms when we're done. If your heart is stirring, it's not an accident. If you feel that gentle nudging or you feel something pulling you, if your insides are turning and you just know something's going on, talk to one of the guys. I guess talk to me too. Scary, but yeah. <laughs> to say that it was an honor to be up here is an understatement. Thank you to um, all of you. Um, this church 
is awesome. If this is your first time here, don't make it your last. Or if you've been thinking about finding a church, consider BCC because this place is the real deal. Our pastors are the real deal. Thank you to my family. I, I wouldn't be able to do it. The support system that we have uh, going in Middleburg right now is unreal. Um, so many believers, um, kids. It's really cool. And all because, you know, we listened. We listened to what he was telling us. So I appreciate the, uh, the opportunity to be up here. Jeff didn't give me the hook, which I appreciate. So thank you so much for letting me share. And I just pray that you guys have an awesome day. Thank you.